Good evening and welcome to the Spirit and Life Bible Study. My name is Jonathan. Our reader is Kara tonight. Our topic is to heal the sick. And by a, a wonderful stroke of providence, Kara <laughs> happens to be sick. So this is, this is excellent. Whether she will get healed in the course of the evening remains to be seen. We'll have to check in with her at the end of it and see whether it really worked or not. Um, what we're talking about is Jesus' purposes in coming into this world, and he did seriously a tremendous amount of healing, didn't he? he healing, uh, healing of everything from fevers to hands that were all curled up, and, and we'll talk another evening, uh, if all goes according to plan, about him raising the dead, uh, which is often treated in Scripture as a separate category from his healing of the sick. Another category is casting out demons and cleansing lepers. We're just talking about healing the sick tonight. But he did a tremendous amount of that kind of healing. So we want to investigate just what do we learn? Why did he do that? Why did he do it so many times for so many people? That's what we'll be investigating tonight. So I invite you to, to join us on this journey, good friends. And let's open with a prayer. <laughs> Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we thank you for bringing us together in your name. You're the one God of heaven and earth, the Word made flesh. We pray for your presence among us as we open up the pages of your Word. Please teach us, Lord, about your healing power. Amen. All right. Thank you, friends. I wanted to mention uh, that I'll be playing a very minor comic relief role in an in a exciting event on Saturday night. November, uh, I'm sorry, September 19th uh, with Dr. Raymond Moody. It's called The Unintelligible Afterlife, something like what deathbed conversations or the words of the dying tell us about the afterlife. Uh, that's happening at 7.30 here in Bernathan at the Mitchell Performing Arts Center. And will be streamed. And it will be streamed online. And it will also be uh, the Swedenborg and Life show for next week, which airs on Monday nights will be the uh, rebroadcast of the Moody event. So I, I hope you're able to enjoy that. I'm very excited about, about that event. Um, all right, Jesus as a healer. He healed, uh, this is an incomplete list, but withered hands, blindness, paralysis, fever, dropsy, which is edema or you know water retention kind of thing. Um, an ear that's been sliced off, uh, being deaf or mute or blind or various combinations, blind and deaf or deaf and mute or just mute, and all sorts of kinds of uh, diseases. And uh, one of the things that I'll be pondering tonight is the fact that he also invited his disciples to heal and taught them how to heal. The Lord is so generous at sharing what he's able to do, that he always seems to bring the, the disciples into it as well. Uh, so let me tell you about this Spirit and Life Bible study real briefly here. The Spirit and Life Bible study looks at the Bible through a Swedenborgian lens, meaning in alignment with the teachings of Emanuel Swedenborg, 1688 to 1772. The name Spirit and Life comes from Jesus himself, who says that his words are spirit and they are life. Spirit, which we take to mean that his words have a spiritual and heavenly meaning and purpose, and life, that his words are alive and aim to bring us to life by teaching us how we are to live if we wish to become spiritual and heavenly. And since Jesus is the word made flesh, what he says of his words applies, we believe, to all the words of the Bible. They all teach who he is and how to get from the life of hell to the life of heaven. All right, uh, let's, hmm, let's look at some healings, shall we? These are just beautiful stories. Let's go to the New Testament, to the Gospel of Matthew, that first one there. We'll be jumping around tonight, as we so often do. And uh, let's see. Actually, I want to go to Mark. I'm sorry. We'll go to the right and go to Mark. Let's look at chapter 3, verse 10. Uh, how about that, dear reader? Okay. For he healed many, so that as many as had afflictions pressed about him to touch him. And the unclean spirits, whenever they saw him, 
fell down before him and cried out saying, you are the son of God. That's right. So I, I mentioned this one because people touch him. The, a big part of his healing came through touch. It wasn't always through touch, but a big part of it was with the laying on of hands. Uh, have a look at Mark chapter 8, verse 22. This is about the healing of a blind person. Then he came to Beth, Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. Yes, so word gets around that if he touches you, he can heal you. So they brought a blind man to him and sought that he would touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Now that's quite a picture to me. I'd forgotten that little detail. Uh, it takes you by the hand. Kind of neat, isn't it? Just, I mean, he's blind, so how else are you going to get out of town? So he takes him by the hand and is just leading him along. It's just a touching picture, isn't it? Go on. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he, look up at, he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. All right. He's often, especially in the Gospel of Mark, telling people not to reveal to anybody that he's doing these healings. Turn to the right to, the chap to Luke chapter 22. <coughs> Luke 22, toward the end, it's a long chapter. What's that? I still can't hear, I'm sorry. Like trees walking. Oh, as trees. Uh, why were they seen as trees? Swedenborg discusses the fact that the tree corresponds to people uh, it's got some, I, I don't know precisely, but it's got something to do with those two layers uh, where he comes first of all into a certain kind of sight of people and then he's given his full vision. That's very unusual for Jesus' healings that it would take two goes. You know, normally he would heal him right away. Hmm. And so I don't know the exact meaning, but it has to have something to do with, uh, with it goes to one level and then it fixes it at an even deeper level, you know, more, more thoroughly. And I, all I remember that Swedenborg says about it is that the trees correspond to people and he uses that passage to indicate that because he sees people as trees walking around. Uh, wish I could tell you more about that. The uh, look at Luke 22, this is the crucifixion. And uh, we read this not long ago where one of his followers strikes someone and cuts off his ear. And look at verse 51. But Jesus answered and said, permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. So all he had to do was touch his ear and it's, it's reattached. So it's amazing that he had that power in his touch, isn't it? Uh, I also want to read some passages about how he wanted to heal everyone. Let's look in the middle of your Bible in the Psalms for one passage back there. Such a beautiful, beautiful passage in Psalm 103. Those first uh, verses there. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Okay, all your iniquities. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. All your diseases. So there's an all, right? He heals all your diseases. Forgives. And it's interesting that iniquities and diseases are paired there, isn't it? Because you think of diseases as being something physical, but the iniquities are something of the spirit. Uh, but they're paired together in that verse. Forgives all your iniquities. Heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Isn't that something? It seems like it's a five-stage uh, series of healings or, or, or blessings, isn't it? Forgives all your iniquities, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from destruction. How wonderful is that? And then these very positive things, that, you know, crowns, you with loving kindness and tender mercy, and then satisfies your mouth with good things so that your 
youth in the Old King James, or your strength is renewed like the eagles. Um, it's very beautiful, and an idea that he heals all your diseases. Now that is said of who in verse 2 there? Bless the Lord, Lord right? right? So that's the Lord with small caps. That's Jehovah, the, you know, the, some people call the God of the Old Testament. And yet we see Jesus doing the same things in the New Testament because they are one. Uh, let's go to the New Testament to Matthew chapter 4. Other than that healing of the blind man, as I say, he always seems to be able to uh, resolve things extremely quickly. And it only took a second touch. You know, he just touched him twice and, and then that. And that was it. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness, mm. all kinds of disease among the people. Yes, all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease. That's what he was doing. And what was the result of all that? Then his fame went throughout all Syria, mm. and they brought to him all sick people who were affected with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. He healed them. That's right. Isn't it powerful to read this at a time when Syria is so much in the news and you think of all these beleaguered people who are traveling? Wouldn't it be beautiful if, if, the, you know, if that could happen again, if all those people... Mm came to the Lord in some way and, and got to be healed from all the things that ail them and all the trouble that their country's gone through. That's powerful. Um, look at Matthew 8, where we were before. Uh, 8, how about verse 16 there? When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. Yes, and we read this a couple of weeks ago because it says, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Yes, that's right. So the Lord uh, took our infirmities, bore our sicknesses. So you see this compassion and he healed all, healed them all. He didn't heal some. There wasn't like a success rate of 17% of something. <laughs> he, he's, he's doing them all. Uh, Matthew 9, uh, verse 35. Hmm. Similar statement. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Yes. And how did he feel? Look at that next uh, passage. We'll come back to this in a bit. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep mm. having no shepherd. Yes, read on. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Mm. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Yes, so in that context there, doesn't it seem like part of the harvest that he's referring to are all these needy people? Mm. Uh, and it's not a problem... I've just often thought of this. There's a temptation in the human mind. I don't know if I can make myself clear, but uh, there's a temptation in the human mind to think that it's a lack of harvest problem. There's, there's no harvest. But what the Lord says, no, it's a laborer problem. There's plenty of harvest. You know, there's plenty of interest in what the Lord has to offer. It's a laborer problem. Pray that the Lord send laborers into that harvest. In other words, the Lord is already wishing to have more people to enter into that healing that he's doing. And we'll explore some more what the meaning of that might be as we go along. Every sickness and every disease that he heals. And uh, let me digress for a moment and just say that isn't it true, you know, I, I um, don't even play a doctor on TV. I'm not a doctor, but uh, it, I imagine it must be the case if you're a physician that the people who are before you they may have similar maladies, but every single person's symptoms are, they're, they're somewhat different. Their system is different, isn't it? Every single person is a, is a little different with the way that they react to this. Some people think that's great. Other people are allergic to it. They can't handle whatever the medicine is. And, and uh, everyone's system is unique and, and different. 
So when you think about what the Lord did when he was healing all those people, he was not only healing every different type of disease, but he was healing it in everyone he, he encountered. It's not like, well, I can heal this in you. You're easy. You're tougher. I, you know, I can't, I can't address this in you. I'm sorry. It's too fundamental or something. No, he knows how to fix it in everybody. It was making me think of that phrase in the Psalms, I believe it is, that the, it's, it's he who has made us and not we ourselves. Um, the, the Lord knows our frame, Scripture says, and so on. So the Lord had this knowledge. It wasn't just a knowledge of general things like, oh, yeah, you've seen one paralytic, you've seen them all. Uh, no, he was dealing with this particular person with that particular malady that they had, what, whatever it was. He knew what it was, and he knew how to fix it. It's, it's, um, it's just an image of his omniscience, his knowing everything. Let's look at Matthew chapter 12. So what this is saying is, is not like a straightforward, easy feat. Uh, look at 12 verse 15 in Matthew. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Yes, great multitude. He does these mass healings. Let's turn to the right and go into Mark now. Mark chapter 1. I love these things. They really just show you such a compassionate person that the Lord is, is healing people and seems to just have... There are times in Scripture where you see him being weary and stuff. You never see him sort of exhausted from the healing, like, I, oh, I just can't do another. I'm sorry, I just can't do it. it. You know, he gets weary when he travels all day and he gets tired and thirsty and so on. But, but this stuff just seems to give him energy. Uh, you, you never hear him about being exhausted by this. And Mark chapter 1, let's pick up at uh, verse 32. At huh. evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick. And some of them? Some of them who were sick? All. Oh, oh all of oh, So Okay, every... Wow, that would be a treat, wouldn't it? Every sick person in the whole lousy town. Yeah, that's what they bring. That's their gift to him. Yep, they brought them all out there. And those who were demon-possessed. In case you ran out of, you know, sick people or something. Right. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Mm. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. That's right. We've seen that theme already earlier this evening that, that he didn't want them to speak and so on. Um, so the whole city is gathered together at the door. It's just kind of an amazing picture. You know, there's such a need. I mean, you can imagine in the gospel story when you read it sequentially, so quickly the word gets out. And he just starts getting mobbed. You know, as soon as word gets out, there's someone who can fix human misery. Wham! You know, everybody's got a problem. Everybody's got something they want fixed. And they're, they're all there looking for something from the Lord. And he meets their needs. He takes care of them. Turn to the right and let's go to uh, Luke, shall we? Just a few more along the same lines. Luke chapter 4. Uh, verse 40. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. Mm. And he laid his hands on every one of them. Every one of them. And healed them. So he, there's a specific point. He laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. That's right. Look, if you will, at Luke chapter 5. Uh... <laughs> okay, let's just read this curing of the leprosy. This is fun, although that's a topic for another night, but 5 verse 12. Let's start there. And it happened when he was in a certain city that, behold, a man who was full of leprosy. Yes, it's not, having even a little leprosy is not fun. Being full of it, he was full of leprosy, okay? This man saw Jesus, and he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you were willing, you can make me clean. Now look at that. He utterly believes that the Lord can fix his problem. And all it is is a matter of whether the Lord wants to or not. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, 
be cleansed. His hand again, boom. Now, sometimes he does healings at a distance, as you know. Uh, you know, there's remarkable stories about that. But mostly it's hands-on. He's just touching people with his hands and healing them. And by the way, as some of you who followed this Bible study may have heard uh, us talking about before, uh, it was absolutely against the rules for him to touch people who had diseases and infirmities. He would be unclean. He couldn't eat. You had to go through certain rituals and wash and all that. You know, he wasn't, wasn't supposed to be doing that. And he was just doing it by the thousands. You know, just br bring them on. And what happened to his leprosy now? Immediately the leprosy left him. Okay, good. And he charged him to tell no one. But go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. That's right. And so what was the result of that? Don't uh, tell anyone. The report went around concerning him all the more. Yes, all the more. You're right. <laughs> you just get more famous doing that stuff. Right. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Yes, that was the result of it, of course. Of course, it has this snowball effect. Let's look at Luke 9, verse 6. So this it doesn't seem like just an accident or a sideline thing. I'm not saying it was the only reason he came into this world, but we're looking at various different reasons why Jesus came here, and definitely one of them is to heal the sick. 9, verse 6. So they depart. Oh, these are, I'm sorry, these are the uh, disciples aren't they? And they go out. I would rather come back to that later. Let's come back to that later. Let me see if I can okay. write that down here. Okay. Oh, I want to go back to Luke 6. Let's look, go back to Luke 6. Sorry about jumping around here. Verse 17. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples. And a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases. Oh, they had two reasons that they were there. What were they? Hear him. Hear him. And be healed. Be healed of their diseases. That's, that, that's what they want. They want to hear him. They want to be healed of their diseases. As well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits. And they were healed. It's a simple statement. They were healed. Well, how great is that? And the, Amazing. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, mm. for power went out from him and healed them all. Healed them all. They all sought to touch. It's quite a scene, isn't it? Everybody trying to just just get get a touch because if you can if you can touch him, power goes out and heals them all that quickly. What is that? That power would go out, boom, and suddenly. The, the physical problem that you had is gone. Mm. So that's the nature of the Lord as a healer. Uh, now, let's dive into the meaning of this a little bit if we can. I'd like to invite you to turn back to the Old Testament and see if you can find the book of Second Chronicles. So in the historical works, you go through First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, you get to First and Second Chronicles. I want to go to Second Chronicles, chapter seven, do I not? And do I not want verse 14 there? This is the Lord speaking to the people. If Second my, Chronicles 7:14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Oh, here's a little recipe. Humble yourself. And pray. Pray. And seek my face. Seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways. Oh, there's a nice little recipe. Four things that you need to do, right? Humble yourself, pray, seek the Lord's face, and turn from your wicked ways. Then what will he do? Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, I was interested here in the mention of wickedness and sin and healing. You know what I mean? It kind of makes a juxtaposition like one reason perhaps why the Lord came into this world and did so many healings, even though the day after uh, he was resurrected, there was still lots of sick people or people with new sickness. You know, the, it's endless. The human race is full of this. Uh, why would he do that? Why would he come and, and heal so many people? What would the point be? 
part of the point, I think, is that it's sort of a, a, a living picture of what the Lord can do for our spirits, the thing that you can't see, how he wants to heal the heart and mind. And so a passage like this that talks about turning from your wicked ways and the Lord will forgive your sin and heal their land. I was just interested in that juxtaposition of healing in the context of turning away from wickedness and sin. Uh, we already heard in Psalm 103 how he forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. That was right side by side, wasn't it? So now I hasten to say, friends, this is a very important point, and I think a lot of people get this one wrong. I understand the confusion, but a lot of people think if you start to get the idea that, oh, well, sickness corresponds to some evil, then you think you've got a delicious opportunity to conclude that you know about the evils in someone else because you can see the sickness they have. But that's not how it works. Uh, this world is a world of cause and effect, and you have certain causes that will cause certain effects here in this world. Uh, you know, it's not like if you suffered radiation, uh, all of a sudden your spirit becomes more evil, and that's why you get cancer. No, it's because you suffered that radiation. Um, uh, there's a correspondence but the nature of the correspondence is that when certain physical conditions obtain, then certain diseases manifest. And when certain spiritual conditions obtain, certain spiritual diseases manifest. But it doesn't mean the people who have those physical diseases have those spiritual diseases or vice versa. You see what I mean? It's a picture of it, but you can't go, aha, I know about you. I know why you've got that problem. That's actually not coming from compassion. Hard to fathom, but, but it's actually not. Um, uh, and is, isn't our, don't our own sicknesses make us feel compassion for, for people? That's part of the deal, isn't it? Let's turn to the right and see if you can find the book of Hosea. It's right after Daniel, is it not? So you go through, you know, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. You get to Hosea. And I want to look at, what do I want to look at? Chapter 14. Again, verse 4, uh, I mean, look at verse 1 there. O Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Mm. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity, receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. Yes, not literally. But that means that you'll give praise to the Lord, right? Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, mm. nor will we say any more to the work of our hands. You are our gods, for in you the fatherless finds mercy. Now that reference to Asher and riding on horses is very interesting because horses have to do in this negative context with our own. It's not our own intelligence, our own understanding. And Asher has to do with the rational mind you know, it's not looking to our own rationality or intelligence. Yeah, yeah that's, that's going to save us. No, that's not what's going to save you. The Lord is what's going to save you. And look at verse 4. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned away from him. Yes. So look at that. Heal their backsliding, right? Like backsliding is a spiritual thing. It's not talking about physical backsliding. It's, but that's something for the Lord to heal. I'll heal their backsliding. You see what I mean? So healing has a spiritual meaning in Scripture, and that's what it's doing here. This, the Scripture is all about revealing stuff to us that we wouldn't know just through our physical senses. Let's turn to right through the four Gospels and go into Acts. Get to chapter 10. Interesting mention in here. Um... Hmm. Let's just start at the beginning of the speech in verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Hmm. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That's right. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea 
and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Mm, listen to this nice little summary here. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. With the Holy Spirit and with power. Mm, go on. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Now, isn't that fun? I love that. Look at that. What did he do? Two things he did. What did he do? Doing good. He went about do doing good. good. And heal all who were oppressed by the devil. Healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I love that juxtaposition of doing good. Sometimes you can think of doing good as maybe sort of a bland thing, like, oh, yeah, I'm staying out of trouble or whatever. What is he doing when he's doing good? Oh, he's kicking hell out of people, right? He's healing them. Uh, wow. Who went about doing good. I love that little little sort of understated expression for what the Lord was doing. Doing good. Well, did he do you good? Oh, wow, my hand was all wrecked up and he completely healed it. Oh, yeah, my body was like a pretzel and he just took care of me. Or I had a fever, I was sick, I was diseased and everything. Yes, he did. Yes, you could call that doing good. That's kind of understated, but yes, that's what that is. So doing good, and isn't that interesting that use the word healing for people who are oppressed of the devil, you know? Healing, again. So there, there's a spiritual component. There's a spiritual image behind these, these healings. All right? Now, okay, here we go. Uh, okay. Dear cameraman, I think I'm going to write on the board. I feel it coming on. Can you deal with it? Good. Uh, you have two grand things. Let me try a pen that works. You know, just for kicks. I'm going to write the word love in red on the board for those of you who are getting the audio and so on. You hit that button. And wisdom in blue. Love and wisdom. Uh, these are two things that Swedenborg says constitute the essence of God, divine love and divine wisdom. In fact, he wrote a whole book called Divine Love and Wisdom about these two qualities within God. Now, healing has something to do with these two qualities. Uh, first of all, let's look at love. I want to read some passages. Let's go back to Matthew 14, okay? Matthew 14, verse 14. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Ah, so why was he healing them? It was because he had Compa compassion. He was moved with compassion. So below the word uh, love, I'll write the word compassion. That is very clear in that passage that that's what was motivating him to do that healing, is it not? He saw a great multitude. He was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. Okay, uh, let's look at Matthew 20, verse 34. Well, let's go back to, there were blind men by the side of the way, and they cried out to the Lord and said, have mercy on us. And look at verse 32. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. So there's our theme again of touching. He touches them and he has compassion on them. That's what drives him to touch them. So he's coming from compassion or what I would describe as a divine love, his desire to save the whole human race and uh, from all forms of misery and especially from hell. Look at Mark, turn to the right to Mark chapter 1, if you will. This is a parallel passage to one we just read tonight about the leper. And he says, if you will, you can make me clean. And in verse 41, what does it say? Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. There you have it again. 
clear as day, right? That's, he's, compassion is what's driving him. Divine love is driving him to do these healings. And look at Mark chapter 5. Bet you'll be really surprised by what we read here. Let's see. Uh, oh, this is after he's healed someone. Look at 5 verse 19. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. Great things. We just read about good things, didn't we? That he was doing good. The great things the Lord has done for you by healing him, right? And how he has had compassion on you. Yes. So it's interesting. That's sort of the other way around there, isn't it? That he did great things for you and he had compassion on you. In all the other passages, it's been compassion and then he does something. But it's interesting that the Lord tells him specifically to go tell other people that the Lord had compassion on him. That was part of the message. He did great things for me and he had compassion on me. That's the message that he told him to go tell other people. Okay, so that's passion, which is on the side of love. Now, it might be a little harder to demonstrate the side of wisdom, but wisdom has to do with truth. It has to do with the light. This, the love has to do with warmth and so on. And uh, look at these passages, if you will, friends. Okay, let's go into the middle of your Bible to the Psalms and turn right till you get to the Proverbs. I want to go to Proverbs chapter 4. Look at this little, we're, we're trying to find a clue. Okay, just have a look at this. 4 verses 20 to 22. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Okay, words and sayings. That's the topic that we're dealing with here. So this is, this is Solomon talking to his son, saying, give attention to my words. Listen to my sayings. Do Go not on. let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Eyes having to do with your mind or your intellect. Heart having to do with the love. So, so don't just look at them with your mind, but keep them in your heart but their words and sayings. In other words, their truths. And then what does it say about them? For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Oh, say that again. Now, what is? So the words and the sayings, right? That's what we're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Pay attention to my words. Listen to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the middle of your heart because they're life and health. You see that there? Mm-hmm their life to those who find them, and health to all their flesh. Truths have something to do with health, I would submit. Let's look at some other passages and see if we can see anything remotely like that. Turn to, actually, here's how to do it. Let's go to Matthew, and then back up one, and you'll hit Malachi. I want to go to the end of Malachi, at the end of the Old Testament, chapter... For hmm. this is about the Lord coming into the world. It's a prophecy of the Old Testament. Let's have a look at 4, verse 2. But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Oh, in his wings. Now, I don't expect everybody listening to this Bible study to have have a full command of the, the doctrine of correspondences or something, but, but what wings mean, wings have to do with truth. Birds in general have to do with, with thoughts and so on because they fly up in the air and birds particularly have to do with spiritual thoughts and then fish have to do with sort of more earthly thoughts under the water. Animals have to do with feelings and emotions and so on. So isn't it interesting that it would be said that the sun, the S-U-N, of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. Now we know that the Lord is coming from love, there's compassion, but there's something about truth that's healing, like those sayings and those words that are health to your flesh. There's something about the truth and the wings correspond to truth. I can't demonstrate it to you right now, but those of you familiar with Swedenborg, you know I'm telling you the truth, that uh, wings have to do with truth. So healing in his wings. This is, by the way, why there's a rumor going around about angels having wings is because of that amazing truth 
that they have. Uh, that's also why angels appear in light, you know, because of the truth that they're in. Okay, let's turn into Luke, to turn to the right and go to Luke chapter 5. Are we having fun yet? It's a blast, isn't it? Way better than Donald Trump. Way better. <laughs> okay, Luke chapter 5, um, verse 17. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now I want to put the word power over here. Swedenborg talks about this word power. Um, the power to heal. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. I don't know if I can demonstrate this, this uh, but basically, uh, when do you have more power in your body? When you are breathing well or when you've had the wind knocked out of you? When you've had the wind knocked out of you, you can't even breathe, let alone move, right? I mean, you've all seen players probably on the field that just you know, like they had the wind knocked out of them. They can't, you can't move or breathe or do anything. When your lungs, see that the love has to do with the heart. The lungs have to do with the, with this wisdom side here. I said that the wrong way around. Uh, when both are working together, then you have power. If you only have one, if you only have love, and it doesn't have truth, there's no power. That's what you get in an unborn child. You see what I mean? The heart is beating, but the lungs aren't working yet, right? It's using the lungs of the mother. And so there's that heartbeat and everything, but the power, the ability to move, consciousness, various things come in and increase when that child is born and when you join the beating of the heart with the breathing of the lungs. That's what supplies power. And without that, you don't have power. So it's the power of truth that comes from love. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Look at chapter 6. We just read it in Luke verse 19. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him and healed them all. Power again. Power went out of him and healed them all. Now, I know it may take some suspension of disbelief to think that power has something to do with truth. Uh, but you speak about the power of truth, don't you? Isn't that an expression that people say? Look at Luke chapter 8, verse 44. Oh, this woman, this is great. 43 is so awesome. 43? Yes, Luke 8, verse 43. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, mm. came from behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. What did she touch? His the, hand? The border of his garment. The border of his garment? That's what healed her? She touched the border of his garment and she was healed. Believe me or don't believe me? Hear me now, believe me later. The uh, hem means truth. Clothing means truth. And that hem is the outermost truth. That hem is about truth. That's why when the Lord is transfigured, his face shines like the sun and his clothing become like the light. Because the face has to do with love and the clothing has to do with truth. The truth is like the light. Um, so that hem is the truth. Like his body is like the love, you know, Jesus himself. And then his clothing is like the truth because he's clothed with that truth. And it's the clothing that healed her. You see what I'm driving at? The words, the sayings. Healing is a truthy kind of thing. It comes from compassion, but it has to do with truth. It has something to do with truth. That's what I'm, I'm trying to say here. Okay, and let's, uh, let, let's look at this. Keep reading now. And Jesus Verse said, 45. Who touched me? Yeah. When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you, and you say, who touched me? <laughs> it seems absurd, doesn't it? Yeah. But Jesus said, somebody touched me. For somebody I, touched me. For I perceived power going oh, out of me. You perceived what? 
power going oh, out. Oh, power went out. That's right. I perceive power. Power went out of the hem of his garment. There's another scripture that I forgot to get tonight that says that everybody just wanted to touch his garment, the hem of his garment, and as many as touched it were, were made whole. Uh, that hem, oh, it's so interesting. Mm. Okay, so I think that has to do with truth. In other words, what we're seeing in these healings is divine love, that compassion is coming down in divine wisdom. So compassion supplies the motivation. Very clear, right? He sees these people, they're ailing. The compassion is what drives him and he lays on his hands. But with compassion alone, you and I may feel compassion for people. I, I don't know if anything would happen, you know? Uh, he also had wisdom. That's what I was kind of alluding to before. He knew everybody who was in front of them. He knew the nature in front of him. He knew the nature of their malady. He knew how to fix it. You know, it's not one size fits all. You know, uh, this person has this problem. That person has that problem and everything. And yet, boom, whoever he touches, it gets fixed. That's wisdom that he knows how to address. And he's got like a catalog in himself of all the problems that human beings face and he knows how to fix them all. That's wisdom. That's love working through wisdom. Now the Lord invites people to participate in this. Let's go back to Matthew. Just one last, you know, charge through the whole Bible. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. He calls together his 12 disciples. And what does he do? When he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power oh. over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Power to heal. He gave his disciples the power to heal. And he didn't just, it's so amazing to me. The Lord didn't sort of, wouldn't most people sort of keep like your private jet to yourself. No, no, nobody else is allowed to ride in the, pri ride in the private jet. I don't want you getting, you know, uppity or something. Uh, the Lord, there's nothing that the Lord reserves for himself. Everything he has, he gives to the disciples. We see the disciples raising the dead. You know, they, they do all the things that the Lord does. And he even says in, in John 14, I believe it is, that the works that he does They'll do greater works because he goes to his father. You know, everything he has, he gives it to the disciples. He walks on the water. He immediately gives it to Peter. Here, you walk on the water too. Uh, everything that he has, he gives to people. He doesn't reserve anything for himself. So he gives them not the power to handle a few lower level diseases and then he'll take the tough cases. You know, sometimes that happens because they fail, but he chides them for it. But... He gives them the power to heal all manner of diseases and, and sicknesses and so on. Wow. Okay. That's nice, isn't it? Let's look at Mark chapter 3. Turn to the right. 3.14. Thank you for putting up with me, good friends. And look at that, verses 14 and 15. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him. And be with him. It's a little like holding the hand and leading the people. It's so beautiful, that divine love. Go on. And that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Yes, power. He gave them power. There it is again. Uh, oh, turn to the right and let's look at 9. Luke 9, sorry, Luke 9, uh, verse 6. That's the one that I, we looked at for a moment before. So they, and look at, look at verse 2. This is his sending out the disciples. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Oh, let's ver go back to verse 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Mm. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he gave them this advice about how what they were to do. And what do they do in verse 6? So they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Healing everywhere. So he gave that to the disciples. And uh, go through John to Acts. Let's look at Acts chapter 5, verse 16. 
All right. These are the apostles. Jesus has already been resurrected. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. They were all healed. The disciples did it. They were doing it. They did it. They healed them all, right? Isn't that great? That's what he wanted. Pray for laborers to enter into the harvest. And, oh, let's go back to chapter 3 because there's a very important point here. In Acts 3, Peter does this miracle. A lame man is able to walk. Everybody's absolutely astonished. And uh, look at verse 12. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us, as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Yes, very clear. Hey, it's not my power. It's not our power. That, was, that wasn't what you just saw there. That wasn't me. You kidding? You know, that was the Lord. The Lord did that. And now turn to the right to 1 Corinthians. You go through the Romans and get to 1 Corinthians. Let's look at chapter 12. And look, uh, let's start at verse uh, 27 down there. Now you are the body of Christ. Oh. And members individually. Wow. Okay. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles. Apostles. Second prophets. Prophets, okay. Third teachers. Teachers. After that, miracles. Oh, miracles. Then gifts of healing. Gifts of healing. There it is. Helps, mm -hmm. administrations, yep. varieties of tongues. Yes, right. Administration is very important. And go on. <laughs> are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have gifts of healings, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? But. But earnestly desire the best gifts and yet i show you a more excellent way and then what is chapter 13 it's the whole poem about charity or love the most excellent way is love if you have all the rest of it and you don't have love or charity you've got nothing it says so this is about the fact that there are various different gifts that people have and one of the gifts is the gift of healings uh, but the most important thing is the, the love and compassion. The, the love is the most important thing. That's the most excellent gift. All right, so. Um, Swedenborg says he is very interested, as people have been forever, about the fact that when the disciples were launching Christianity version 1.0, they went into the town square and they healed everybody in the town. They cleansed lepers, they raised the dead, they, they did miracles and everything, and that launched Christianity. Nowadays, there are not people going into Times Square with the cameras running and healing everybody in New York City, you know, and that's launching Christianity version 2.0. And Swedenborg talks a lot about why that is. He says that these external miracles compel belief. It doesn't leave you in freedom in the same way. It's not, he's careful to point out, that there aren't um, thousands of what I might call these minor miracles that are not done in Times Square with the cameras running. You know, they're, they're smaller things that just involve a few people or one person or wh whatever kind of thing. Uh, there's lots of miracles and healings that go on, but uh, it's not any longer physical healing of the physical body, as I understand it, is not meant to be a primary evangelization tool of Christianity version 2.0. Uh, even though the Lord talks a lot about healing in there, it's supposed to go inward, isn't it, friends? It's supposed to go deeper. What we're talking about is the mind or the spirit, and the thing that's happening <coughs> is for the healing of the heart and the healing of the mind. So, how does the Lord want us to participate in this? Well, one thing for sure, all, all I know about this is that whatever heals us, it has to do with compassion, 
hooking up with truth, doesn't it? Uh, my parents years ago took a course in pastoral counseling, and one of the things they were told was caring plus confrontation equals growth. Well, there's something similar there, isn't there? Caring is like the compassion, and you've got an element of truth, and that's what helps people move forward because you've, you've got truth and you've got love. That's what you need to help people move forward, and that can take many, many forms. It can be you know, counseling or advising people, life coach stuff, or, or all kinds of different forms that that can take. Uh, but that is how healing comes to the mind, I think, is through the application of compassion and truth to the mind. And uh, because it's true, because the truth that has love inside it is what is healing. That's what's doing all those healings. And so I think the Lord was representing the fact uh, that he wants his fall. He wants to bring all of us into that healing activity. He wants us to participate in some kind of healing and blessing to other people. Not everyone has the gift of healing. You may be an apostle or a preacher or a teacher, whatever, you know, all those different things in the list. But whatever it is, it's going to have this quality of compassion coming into truth and affecting people because there needs to be a marriage of those two things. Don't we read that the truth you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's, it's the truth that undoes those bonds and, and that, that restriction. And um, ultimately, what is the hem of the, of the Lord's garment? What is the Lord is the word, right? He's the inmost of the word. He became the word made flesh. So whatever he did with his flesh, he is still able to do through this book. Uh, people needed to present themselves for healing. We need to present ourselves to the book for healing. But this outermost, even this literal sense that we've been reading tonight, is the hem of his garment, isn't it? And if you can touch that hem of the garment, we can still, it's not just the people back in Galilee. We can get something. Uh, healing the body, that's great. Wonderful thing. I'm not knocking it. Everybody needs it. But the Lord is really interested in saving our spirits, our minds, and our hearts. And this book is able to rewire your brain and turn your heart from stone into flesh, which is surely the greatest miracle, meaning that you actually start loving all these other disgusting people we have to spend our lives with in this world. Uh, it's a miracle. It's a flat-out miracle. If you feel love for people, that's a miracle. Something has touched you there. And if you have truth in your mind, you have love and compassion in your heart, something's reaching out. So we can touch this. We can grab the outside of it. We may not be able to get, you know, uh, we, we can just touch the outside. We can grab that hem and that can stop, staunch the bleeding, you know. Something can flow out of here and heal us because the Lord is in here and his compassion is in the book. We just saw it. It's in there. The whole book is the embodiment of his compassion in truth, in divine wisdom. And this thing's just standing there waiting to fix our minds and our hearts. Now, it's not going to go all quickety snap snap. Sometimes things will change nicely. You know, you do some hairpin bends. A lot of it's just going to be a gradual process <coughs> of replacing the junk that you got in your attic in your basement with new thoughts that come from the Lord that admit the light in there, that are open to heaven and allow the Lord to be a blessing to you and allow you to be a blessing to other people. That's why, don't know if I'm making sense, doesn't really matter. Uh, that's why the Lord came into the world. That's why he did so much healing. It was a picture of something and he invites us. There's nothing, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. There's nothing that he doesn't want to share with us and to bring us into. He would like us to experience have that experience of being a healing force 
in other people's lives, having the pleasure of being healed by other people in our lives. The thing that always does it, Peter says, hey, it's not, it's not me, it's not our own power, it's not like my holiness or something. That's the Lord's love, His compassion. That's His truth. His truth is a very good, warm, fizzing truth. It's like lemon juice or something in it. And it gets into you and it cleans things up and makes you smell great. That's what the Lord does with His love and His truth. And you may not believe me, but that's all right. Shall we close with a prayer, good friends? <laughs> And our reader didn't sneeze once, so think about that for a second. <laughs> All right, you did it, Lord. Thank you. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's keep on repenting, friends, to let the Lord heal us.